Good morning. It's fantastic to be with you, and uh, I think it was. Um, trying to remember the last time I was here is in uh, end of June, beginning of July, wasn't it? So uh, we just uh, there's been so much that has gone on in that short time between then and now. Um, you know, so much to give thanks to God for. Um, you know, this morning I have a particular word on my heart I want to share with you. Um, we also wanted to be a morning where we share a few testimonies uh, of what God has done. We're going to invite Martin and Justin to share some testimony with you as well. But I thought I would just introduce by sharing just a few of the many, many stories that have happened since July when I was with you last and, uh, and today. Um, I am happy to be disciplined because there is so much. When you know when you're out and about in the gospel, um, God is, is just actively moving, healing and saving people. Seen uh, about 2,200 people come to the Lord between July and now. Uh, a new church planted out in Rwanda. And uh, many, many wonderful miracles that the Lord has done. And so um, just here's a, just a, a, a few stories. Lots of those miracles have happened in the UK, by the way. It's so easy to think of you know, miracles happening in other countries. But so many of those miracles have been happening right here in England. Uh, you know, many people who've been crippled have been healed on the streets of England. Uh, many deaf have been healed on the streets of England. Uh, all that kind of stuff has been going on right here in, in the UK, and it's been very exciting. Um, but just to pick out a few that, are, um, that stand out in my memory at the moment. Um, in August, a lot of times in August, I, I don't do missions in August a lot of times. Sometimes I do, but a lot of times, most of the church world, you know, certainly in the UK, is off on holiday or, or at Christian camps in August. And so uh, life is an itinerant, you know, it can be quite quiet around August time. And, uh, and so I often make it a holiday time for my family. However, this time I chose to go to Uganda. We had some family holiday as well. But, um, but I went for, uh, for a week to Uganda, uh, to a place where over the years we've seen about 29 churches planted and, um, and about 9,000, 10,000 people come to the Lord. So I wanted to go back and see how the churches were doing. And um, so we went back and I took for the first time my oldest son with me. Now he's 14 years old. And this was a special thing for me. Because as we were going out together, um, he said to me, now dad, I'm not you. He said, don't expect me to preach. He said, or, or, or do anything like that. You know, I said, don't worry, Nathan, it's no problem at all. Uh, I gave him the iPad to do a bit of filming behind me. And I said, you just do a bit of filming and you know, help out with the kids' work. Do whatever you're comfortable with, no hassle at all. But of course, the thing is, I knew that the Holy Spirit in the process would, would you know, would do something. So, um, so anyway, the very first night, he's standing behind me, he's filming, and um, we gave the appeal, and uh, there's several thousand out there, kind of rural areas, not like the cities, you get tens of thousands in the cities, but in the rural area, there's several thousand, and some folks have, have, have responded, given their life to Christ, and um, start to pray for the sick, and the Lord starts to heal people. And suddenly, the Lord said to me, I heard the Holy Spirit distinctly say, invite Nathan to come up and pray for the blind. Well, he's 14 years old. And, uh, you know, I thought to myself, knowing what teenagers can be like, some teenagers, not all, but knowing what some teenagers can be like, I thought if I ask him, he probably won't come. So I'll just announce it. <laughs> so, I just, so I just said to everybody, my son is now going to come and pray for the blind. <laughs> And I turned around to see him looking, <laughs> you know, holding the iPad. I said, put the camera down, Nathan, here you come. 
And uh, so he comes up to me and says, what do I do, Dad? <laughs> I said, no sweat, mate. I said, all you do, I said, just open your hands like this. Wait for the presence. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come on you. You can't do this by yourself. But he'll do it with you. He'll do it in you, through you. I said, so just put your hands out and welcome his presence to come. As soon as you feel his presence and his power, to ask the people to put their hands on their eyes and then you give a come out of faith. Say, eyes be opened in Jesus' name and then let God do what only God can do. And I said, uh, all right. So he just waits and he's like this. But you could tangibly feel the Holy Spirit fall on him. And then, you know, with all of his might, he gave this come on, be opened in Jesus' name. 15 people testified their sight was instantly healed at all of that moment. Well, I tell you, for dear Nathan, bless him. He hadn't been baptized yet. I tried everything, short of tripping him up and putting him into the water. I tried everything to get him baptized, but he hadn't yet got baptized. And so, you know, anyhow, he saw all kinds of things that night. Demons coming, screaming out of people and bodies being thrown all over the place as these things came out. You know, the sick being healed and blind eyes opening and all of this kind of stuff. You know, I never forget the first one. Before we prayed for the eyes to be open, there was all this, this moment of deliverance where, you know, people were just screaming and bodies being thrown around. And I remember he came to the side of the stage, he looked at his eyes, went big as saucers, and he looked at me and said, Dad, look, I said, don't worry, perfectly normal New Testament Christianity, Nathan. I said, just chill out, you know. And, uh, but anyway, we had this, and um, anyway, when we got from the back from the meeting that night, we were sharing a room. He got back to the bedroom before me. He's sitting in the chair. And I come in and he's just... I said, you're right, Nathan. He says to me, Dad, this thing is real. I tell you, Jesus is real. I said, yeah, I know that, Nathan. He said, but I'll tell you, this is real, man. He said, you've got to help me. I've got to get more into the Bible. And I want to be baptized. I said, well, that's great. I said, fantastic, mate. I said, can you wait till we're home, maybe? I said, no, I can't wait. He said, I can't get baptized. He said, you've got to do it now. We had to baptize him, you know, in the, right there, in, in the bathtub, you know. In, <laughs> brought back memories of early charismatic days. But, you know, amazing, absolutely life-changing time. But, um, you know, so many wonderful things have happened over this period, and I... I think of some of the stuff that's gone on on the streets here in the UK. We've had some amazing things that have happened. But, but one of the things that always blesses me is, is the fact that Jesus, his presence, whenever he comes into somebody's life, he dignifies the most downtrodden and broken people. He comes with his love and he lifts and he heals and he sets free. And we were doing a mission uh, in Grantham. And uh, this was in September, uh, latter part of September. And... Um, during the day, we were hitting the streets, all kinds of different meetings, different expressions of outreach, and in the evening, doing various different, you know, gospel encounters. And, um, and anyway, on one of the days, there was, um, I think, uh, wasn't it you guys? Uh, uh, Chile. Chile, okay. Chile is another one of guys. His real name is Glyn, Glyn Chilton, but we all call him Chile. Um, Chile and, and, uh, and one of the other guys were just going through the park, and they were witnessing to people and handing out tracks and invitations and praying for folks and as they walked by there happened to be a couple of drunk guys who were just you know on a particular park bench and as they walked past them these two guys just let out a whole load of verbal at them I mean they were shouting and swearing at them and all that kind of stuff well thankfully the guys are mature enough not to be moved by that so they turned to them and they walked up to them they said what kind of pain are you living in that you would talk to someone like that 
Well, when they said that, the guy's just broke. And one of them, particularly, tears just streaming down his face. And, uh, and so he walked up and they, he just opened up his life. You know, and it was just a horrendous story of pain and rejection. And there he was drinking his sorrows away with his mate. He's just been turfed out of, you know, his, his partner's apartment. Uh, they weren't married, but anyway, they're living together and whatever. And so, um, but she's kicked him out and he's totally heartbroken, feels suicidal. He's threatening to take his life. He's planning on doing it. And um, anyway, he's kind of trying to work up some Dutch courage and drinking himself silly. And there he is there on this park bench. Anyway, the guys prayed for him. They ministered to him. He didn't really come through to the Lord there and then, but he was clearly touched by God. Anyhow, they gave him, you know, exchange numbers. And, um, and when they got back into lunchtime, they handed the pastor the number of this fellow, the mobile number. The next day, um, little did, did we know, but the next day, the guy is determined to take his life. He's literally about... This is his own testimony. I, I only heard this. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going, to, I'm going to move a step on and then I'll get back to this bit in the story because the last night came. And when the last night came, I arrived and brought my family to the meeting because we live fairly near there. And uh, I dropped my family off at the church. I went to park the car elsewhere and I was walking back through the town. I crossed the road to the main church where the, where the meeting was going to be held for the last night. And as I, as I stopped by the lights, there's this guy on crutches. And he's standing there, and um, so, you know, I'm, I'm an evangelist, so I ask these sort of questions. So I'm standing next to him and said, hey, what's with the crutches, you know? So he looks at me and says, oh, he said, I just, you know, I had a terrible accident, you know. Um, and he said, so I, I've lived with this for, for years. And uh, anyway, so I shouldn't be alive. I said, uh, why is life that bad? He said, yeah. He said, he said, in fact, last night, he said, I was just about to kill myself. I was standing upstairs in, in, in my and the place that I'm staying, he said, I made a, a noose, I hung it down. He said, I got on the chair, I was about to, I had it round my neck, I was literally about, he says, to jump off that chair and kill myself. He said, just as I'm about to do it, suddenly the phone, my mobile, I forgot to turn my mobile off. He said, just as I'm about to jump, he said, the mobile rang. He said, so I lifted it up and I looked at it, and so I didn't recognize the number, he said, but I decided to answer it. I said, just as a last thing before I kicked the bucket, he said, and I, so he said, I put it to my ear and he said, and it's the pastor of the local church. And he said to me, hey, he said, um, some of our guys were out on the, on the streets a couple of days ago. And I understand that they met with you and they prayed for you. And they gave me your number. And he said, I just wanted to call you and let you know there's a bunch of people here in town who love you. And we want to help you in any way we can. And he just went quiet on the end of the phone. He said, look, if you'd like to see us, he said, um, Tomorrow night, 7.30, he said, the Grand Baptist Church, he said, there's a meeting going on, you'd be more than welcome. We'd love to welcome you into the family. Anyway, he said, well, thank you. Closed down the phone, took the noose off his neck, said, well, if somebody loves me, maybe it's worth taking one more shot at life. And he got off the chair. Anyway, so he tells me all of this as we're standing there waiting for the lights to change. I said, right, so you're on the way to the church. He said, yeah. I said, me too. He said, really? He said, what are you doing? He said, well, you'll find that out in a moment. <laughs> I said, so we're on our way. And we walk in together as we walk in. I said, come on, mate, let's go sit down. So he goes off into the corner. Now, I don't know his whole story. and He hasn't told me everything about his accident. Anyway, but I'm, I'm halfway through my message. 
And suddenly I see a direct picture, see in my spirit, I see a picture of a guy having a motorbike accident and his legs being crushed and him having to go into hospital and have loads of metal put into his legs and all this kind of stuff. So I just stopped and I said, it. I said there's a guy here, I said you had a motorbike accident, I said you, you got metal in your legs, you live in pain, but Jesus is going to heal you tonight, where are you? And it's this guy, and he puts his hand up. I said, hey, I know you. We walked across the league together. I said, yeah, come on. Anyway, just to make a long story short, when I gave the appeal, he was the first guy who ran down the front, gave his life to Jesus. We prayed for him. He was instantly healed, all pain gone. He walked out of there without his crutches, and I heard from the pastor, he's in church the next day. Isn't it wonderful? This is our Jesus. He is the great healer, the great saviour, and he's mighty. Wonderful. Well... Let's pray and let me share some scripture with you and I'll do my best to be finished before three o'clock tomorrow morning. (laughs) Father, we thank you so much for your presence. We thank you for your love amongst us. We thank you that you are here. We thank you that you're the same yesterday, today and forever. And we pray, Lord, that right now by your Holy Spirit that you would speak to each of us. Lord, that you will touch our lives, that not one person will leave this place today without the joy of forgiveness and the certainty of eternal life. We pray that everyone would leave knowing that they're saved, that they're children of God. I pray, Father, that those who have experienced bondage and addiction, Father, I pray for that man, Lord, Lord, who had the picture I saw during worship of a man who shot up some drugs just, uh, Lord, over the Christmas period outside a pub in this area. I saw like an old wheel, old wooden wheel associated with this pub. I don't know what it is, but I saw you there lying there. And actually, you only just made it through the night. Your life was, it was touch and go, but God rescued you. And you're here today, and God wants to set you free. Father, I just thank you in Jesus' name that you are the one who brings deliverance to the captives. I thank you that you are the one who heals the sick. And Father God, I pray that today everyone in bondage will leave here free, that everyone sick will leave here healed. I pray, Father God, that those who are struggling with depression or anxiety will leave here with peace and with joy and with freedom in their hearts, because Jesus Christ, the Deliverer, Lord and Saviour, is amongst us. We bless you and give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, look, it's great just to, to share with you. I want to... Um, share some particular scriptures with you today. I want to mark it in my right pocket there. I have my iPhone. And I just got a few things on there for these guys. Okay, brilliant. Thank you very much. Okay. Here we are. My, I am a 21st century preacher, aren't I? Here we go. Look at this. 1 Peter 1.23. Let's go there. 1 Peter 1.23. I'm going to do my best to be disciplined and share with you over these next 20 minutes or so. Turn us up our top weight and we're going to come into prayer, come into land around that time. But 1 Peter 1, I love Peter's letters. I love John's letters. They're always full of wonder. They're very straight. They're very direct. But they're full of wonder of the person of Jesus and what he has done for us. And we find this that when Peter writes, he's, he's writing here 1 Peter Chapter 1, and he says this in verse 22, Since you have purified your souls in obedience, in obeying the truth, through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, 
Love one another fervently with a pure heart. And then he goes into the next verse, telling them and exhorting them over the reason why they can do this. Why they can love each other with a pure heart and with a fervent heart. Sometimes, you know, even in churches, people struggle at times always to love one another as they should do. With, with a pure and fervent heart. Maybe there's some, something that grates you about brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, whatever. But the Bible says to love each other with a fervent heart. Fervent love is a strong word, isn't it? It's a, it's a word you know, that means sacrifice. It means that you go beyond the normal call of duty or beyond your natural feelings to love people, to help people, to reach out to them. But then he tells them why they can do that. In verse 23, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Wow. That's awesome, isn't it? The word of God, which lives and abides forever. He says you can love each other with a fervent heart, because you have been born again by incorruptible seed. The word of God. God's word is incorruptible seed. It is the DNA of God, if you like. It is the divine seed of God. It releases the nature of God inside the hearts of the people who receive it. Amen. We find that in 2 Peter 1, he talks about the fact that we have been, been made partakers of the divine nature through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. And so this is it, folks. Look, we have a new nature inside of us. This word is a life-transforming word. And I want to share with you alongside, because this is your time. This is the time for harvest. This is the time of breakthrough. This year. And I felt the Holy Spirit particularly give me this, this word to share with you. Uh, to have great expectation. If there was to be a mark over your lives this coming year, it was to be a mark of great expectation. Of great expectation. And that expectation is, is not as if, as if it was coming from, say, Norman Vincent Peale's book on the power of positive thinking. That you're just kind of hoping. Yes. I, I like to make the illustration of the difference between the power of positive thinking and true faith in God like this. Imagine if right now it was discovered there was a bomb about to blow up in this room. Now, thank God there isn't everybody be at peace. But can I just say that just for illustration only, imagine if suddenly Abe had to stand up and say, everybody just calmly make your way to the side there. There is a bomb under so-and-so's seat. It's about to go off. Now, those who are subscribers to the power of positive thinking would sit there for a moment, you know, and even if they said, I'm sorry, it's going to go off in five seconds, you know, those with the, the power of positive thinking could sit there and say, oh well, at least it will all be over quickly. <laughs> okay. Little do they know that their problems are not about to be over. They're just about to really begin. To enter an eternity without Christ is, is, is to come under judgment. Eternal judgment. So, and all that goes with that. Man, you don't want that. The difference between that and the person who has living faith in Jesus Christ is that bomb goes off. They just they know at that moment they're going into eternal bliss and glory. Their confidence is not based on a mentally positive, you know, decision that they're that they're making to think the right thing, to think something positive. Their position 
is based upon solid evidence of what God has declared. Our faith is not based upon some wish list. Our faith is based on revelation about what God has said. And so we can have great expectation this year based on the promises of God. Based on what God has said. Based on the fact that God's promises are incorruptible seed. They cannot be destroyed. They cannot be broken. They stand eternally steadfast. They will always produce after their kind. Every promise of God has inbuilt within it the power to produce what it promises. When it is received and acted on. Look, I'm going to say amen if nobody else does. I say amen. That's the truth. It really does. The power of God is present in the promises of God to produce what they promise. And so it's absolutely dynamic. When we deal with the word of God, we are, you know, to illustrate, you know, it's an amazing thing. Do you know that when uh, if we talk about mission, for example, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus said that when he sent out the 70, he says to them, wherever they receive you, he said, find a man of peace there. Now, a man of peace is not somebody who necessarily agrees with you about everything, but he receives you. And when he receives the messenger, Jesus said, then he receives the one who sent him. And so he said, first declare, if you find a man of peace, declare peace to this house. And if there is a man of peace there, your peace will abide there. If there isn't a man of peace there, he said, let your peace return to you. Now, that's supernatural, isn't it? So our peace is a supernatural thing. We're not just trying to, to stress less. You know, we actually, we have a supernatural peace about us in our hearts. So we're walking with Jesus and believing his word. We should live in that place. Amen. And so, unfortunately, there are many Christians who have more faith in what the psychologists say than, than they do in the promises of God. And the trouble is, I found that the more you believe in stress, the more of it you get. Isn't it true that whatever you exercise faith in, you get more of? You never notice that. It's true. So um, anyway, the long and the short of it is that um, uh, there was an old Singaporean preacher who came to Christ a number of years ago. And in Singapore, ended up being part of our church in Cheam years ago. And, uh, and I'll never forget his testimony. He was a powerful, powerful testimony. Now he, you know, he was a, um, he started off when he got saved. He was amongst the brethren. And in those days, that, that particular group of the brethren did not believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. They didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit, the power of God like that. Um, but they loved the scriptures. They loved the word of God. You talk about the power that's present in the word of God. This man's father, before he got saved, this man's father was high up in witchcraft. And when I say high up, this gives you a little idea of what he used to do. This was Robert's testimony about his dad. His dad, he grew up with his dad having on his wall a pure silver sword that was sharp as a razor. And his dad would be hired by people to put curses on other folks. And what he used to do, and he watched his dad do it, his dad would walk over to the wall, he would take this silver sword, he would pull out his tongue, and he would slice off the end of his tongue. And with the blood, he would write a curse on somebody, and then he would put the tongue back on, it would reseal. And those curses would come on people. So that's the kind of level of witchcraft. Okay, this isn't just a few stars in the sun or something. Okay? <laughs> Which, by the way, if you're into that, you need to stop it as well. Because that's Satan's destiny for your life. He gets in at a thin wedge and tries to break in in a bigger way in your life. Don't accept it. You need to renounce that and have nothing to do with the stars. Yeah. The Satan's servants are right in that rubbish. Yeah. Yeah, Amen. You got a lot of people say, well, I, I, I don't believe that. Well, I only believe it when it's good. 
Let me just say it for a moment. But you're dealing here with much more heavy levels of, of witchcraft. But isn't that an amazing thing? Jesus has complete authority over all of that. Yes. Anyway, one of Robert's school friends invited him to come to church. This brethren church. You know, he went along. He gave his life to Christ. He was so rejoicing in his salvation. He came back and told his dad. And his dad blew up. Absolutely blew up him that he had gone to a church and given his life to Christ. But he kept pleading with his dad to come along to the church. Eventually, he said to him, Robert, I will go this Sunday. It is the only time I will ever go in my life. Don't ever ask me again. I will never again go. But for your sake, not for any other reason. I don't believe in it. I don't believe it's true or anything. But I will go, he said, for your sake. Once. That is it. Don't ever ask me again. He said, okay, Dad. He went along. He sat through the whole service. He was singularly not impressed. At the end of it, he walked out of there thinking to himself, by his own admission, I have greater power than them. Why should I give my life to this Jesus? But he met the pastor as he was coming out the door. And all the pastor did was this. Bear in mind, Robert's dad is feeling charged with demonic power. But as he meets the pastor, the pastor stretches out his hand and he says to him, Peace to you, sir. In Jesus' name. That's all he said. Robert's father said, the moment he said those words, peace to you, in Jesus' name, I said, I felt every shred, every essence of demonic presence and power drain out of me. I walked home feeling absolutely weak to my knees and powerless. He said, I didn't touch that silver sword. I knew I, knew I wouldn't be able to put my tongue back together again. He gave his life to Christ. That was the end of it. Totally delivered. Totally set free. There is such power in the word of God. This year will be a year of harvest for you. This is a year of breakthrough for you. This is your time. And it is a time to have great expectation in the word of God. And the reason I want to share this with you is this. Because if you don't believe in the power of the incorruptible seed of the word of God, let me say to you, then you're not going to have great confidence to share it. And then the harvest that you're promised will not be realized. Because there is the principle of God right back in Genesis 8.22 going all the way through scripture. As surely as I live, says the Lord, and as surely as the earth continues, seed time and harvest, day and night, winter and summer, seed time and harvest will continue. As long as the earth does. It is a divine principle of God. And so if you're going to have harvest, you've got to plant some seeds. And you've got to believe in the power of the seed that you sow. The seed that we have to sow is not anyone's idea. It's not a man's idea. It's not a man's opinion. Amen. It's God's word. Full of God's life and God's power. And that's what we exercise our faith in. Because it has the power to produce what it promises. Turn me here to Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10 and 11. I know we're just touching here on some well-known scriptures, but I want to build your faith and your expectation. Isaiah 55, verse 10 and 11 says this. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be 
that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, empty or fruitless. But it shall produce, accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Amen. It is impossible for the word of God to go forth without bearing fruit. It is impossible for the word of God to go forth and not bear fruit. Amen. Whenever God's word goes forth, the kingdom goes forth. The power of God goes forth. You know, when you preach, why did Jesus say when he sent out the twelve? Go and first of all, declare the kingdom of God is here. Then heal the sick, cast out demons, cleanse lepers, raise the dead. You know, the moment you make the declaration of the presence of the kingdom, you release the power and presence of the king. Everything changes when you declare that mandate. The atmosphere shifts miracles. You know, I, I can give you testimony as an evangelist. You know, wherever I've gone, I've gone to places around the world where honestly, some churches you go to, it feels like you're stirring treacle. Some places you go to, you're, honestly, it's the truth. I don't mean to, to knock it, the churches, but you know, I've been to places where it was more, you know, I won't say that, no. But uh, I, I just, I don't want to say to you, you know, I have hit sometimes more unbelief in some churches than I have out on the streets. But, you know, the thing is this, what do you do when you do that? When Jesus could do no mighty works in his own hometown because of their unbelief, what did he do? The Bible says he went round in a circuit preaching. What was his answer to deal with the circuit? He started preaching, 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 preaching all around those villages where it had been really hard. Because he notices that if you keep declaring it and you keep planting the seed, faith will come and when, faith will, when real faith comes, there's going to be a release of the Holy Spirit. You have to start declaring something different to what you have always declared if you want a different result. You know, the scriptures describe Paul when he wrote to the Corinthians. He described the church in a variety of manners. But one of the ways that he described the church is he said that you are God's field and we are God's workers. And basically... You know, leaders, pastors, anybody who shares, you know, whatever you want to grow in that field, you have to sow. So if you want miracles, you have to preach miracles. Amen? If you want deliverance, you have to preach deliverance. Freedom for the captives. You have to, whatever you want to grow in that field, you have to sow it. And you sow it by the declaration of the word of God. The word, Jesus said, is the seed. It's the seed of the kingdom, and it grows. And so we find here the power of this. I, I can remember some of you may have heard this story before. I want to just apply this for a moment to salvation. I want to apply it to healing. We're going to look at a few more scriptures, and we're going to pray. I can remember um, doing some door-to-door ministry, sharing the gospel door-to-door. Still has a great place today, you know. I know there are those who, who don't like that, don't believe that God uses that kind of stuff nowadays. I, I visited churches where every person in the church got saved by the pastor knocking on the door and introducing them to Christ. Every person, some of them are 200, 200 strong, and every one of them got saved through the pastor knocking on the door. And, uh, you know, it's amazing that the Jehovah's Witnesses have the statistic. If they knock on the, on the same door six times, they get a result. They get a convert. But a lot of our churches don't believe in it anymore. No, just putting it out there. <laughs> but the thing is, is it's, you know, but, but the thing is, is, is that we need to go. 
And there's always has to be a go before there's a come. That's the truth. Wherever it is, whether you're going, your going is going to work that day and you share something with Jesus with somebody at work, go to school or college, but there always has to be a moment where there is a go and there is a sharing of Christ. Otherwise, there's not going to be any come into the kingdom or into the church. Some people find Jesus, then they find the church. Other people find the church, then they find Jesus. Either way, you've got to get to Jesus. Amen. Nobody is saved by being in church. They get saved by, by giving their life to Jesus. Amen. But, um, you know, but the thing is this, I was knocking on doors. Now, I've had all kinds of experiences knocking on doors. You know, I've had dogs try to take my hand off. I've had all kinds of things. But on this particular occasion, it was a large Victorian house. I, I was a long way up the path up to this Victorian house. You know, I rang on the doorbell and the door creaked open. And the woman of the house looked very nervously at me, creaking through the door. And she said to me, she said, who are you? Like this. I said, hey, relax, I'm not the JW. You know, at which point she threw open the door and said, oh, thank God for that. I said, absolutely. So she said to me, well, who are you then? I said, well, I'm a Christian. She said, well, what kind of Christian? I said, well, I'm the only kind that exists, actually. I said, I'm a born-again Christian. She said, what do you mean by that? So I, I was in, and I start telling her about Jesus, and about, about the new birth. Well, as I'm telling her the gospel, her husband came down the steps behind her, and he was livid with me that I was telling his wife about Jesus. So he came down, and he shouted at me. He said, you bleep, 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 Christian. He said, get off my bleep, bleep ground. And he went to slam the door in my face. Now, I was always taught, that if you can't clinch the deal, so is he. So as the door is coming towards my face, I shouted through the door. I said, Jesus loves you, sir. And he went, bang. I thought, too late. And I walked away, praying for him and for his wife. And Jesus said, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who persecute you. It's not personal. So I'm going away and I'm praying for them. And I'm blessing the Lord and I'm praying for their salvation. And I'm binding the enemy from stealing the word from their heart. As I walk away, anyway, that was it. I went on and ministered to some others. The mission came to an end. Uh, six months later, I'm back there, and I'm going to do a follow-up meeting. It's a United Reformed Church, and um, it's a spirit-filled one, born-again spirit-filled church. And, um, and anyway, they've got quite a high um, platform in that church. And I went down here in the front row, waiting to be introduced to preach. And I looked up, uh, just as I'm about to preach, and I looked at the worship group, and there in the worship group, are these two people who look incredibly familiar. But I can't place them. And I got it somewhere. I thought, I know them. Where do I know them from? Anyway, at the end of the service, this two, this couple come up to talk to me. And they said, they said, Jonathan, how could you ever forgive us? Would you please forgive us? I said, what have you done? <laughs> you know, I said, why would I need to forgive you for? And they said, well, don't you remember us? I said, forgive me. I said, I can't quite place you. I said, you do look really familiar, but I can't quite place you. And they said, well, six months ago, just down the road here, you came and knocked on our door. And we swore at you and we slammed the door in your face and told you to get off our property. I said, oh, I remember you now. <laughs> so, yeah, it was you, wasn't it? Yeah. And they said, uh, yeah, I was so sorry. I said, hey, don't worry about it. It's not, it's not personal. I said, so, uh, but look, if you need to hear it, you're forgiven. Hey, no issue. I said, but look, here you are. You're saved and you're serving God. I said, tell me the rest of the story. They said, well, if you remember, they said it was a very hot summer's day. And uh, it's a big old Victorian house. And so the windows were open because it was a hot day. And as you walked away from the house, we ran round into our front lounge. And we watched you <laughs> to see how you would respond to our rebuke and our swearing and slamming the door at your face. I said, we watched you as you walked up away from the house and you were still smiling <laughs> and you were praying for us. 
praying blessing over us and singing praises to God. And we looked at each other and we said, we swore at him, we slammed the door in his face, tell him to get off our property. And he tells us that Jesus loves us. He goes away praying and blessing us and singing praises to God. He said, these Christians must have something. They said, we better get along to the church and find out what it is. But they said, but we couldn't face you, so we waited for you to leave town. <laughs> so waited for the mission to end. They said, but the week after that, they started, you know, uh, well, we, we went along on a Wednesday night. And we went along the Wednesday night and we saw a big advert outside the church saying, Alpha Course, running inside, come on in. We went in and they were doing the subject, who is Jesus? And now we understood everything you were telling us, who this one was who loved us and how he gave his life for us. We gave our lives to Christ that night. And today he said, we're, we're house group leaders in the church and part of the worship team. I thought, you know, some people come running into the kingdom, some come in kicking and screaming. But either way, believe in the power of the seed of the word of God. Amen. And when you sow it, sow it with a smile. Sow it with love. Amen. Glory to God. There is real power in the seed of the word of God. What is true of salvation in the seed is also true of healing. Let me just share this with you very briefly. I used to own a 2,000-seater tent, which I used up and down England doing gospel campaigns. We had it up in Cheam in Surrey. It's real stockbroker bell. But I tell you what, there's lots of people there who are well aware that money cannot satisfy the cry of the human heart. And whenever you announce a healing outreach or something, the meetings up there are always packed. People are interested in the reality of the supernatural and of the presence and power of God. So we did. And, uh, and I remember one afternoon, we always had an afternoon service that was a meeting for the chronically sick. Those who couldn't sit through a whole meeting or something like that, it would be very short, about half an hour, 40 minutes, and it would have a couple of songs, old hymns that everybody knew, and, uh, you know, and then we would you know, just preach for about 10 minutes, give an appeal, and then we'd spend the rest of the time just praying for the sick, and that's what we did. We always had one of those one afternoon every mission. It would always be packed with people on, you know, people with crutches, people on stretchers, people in you know, all kinds of conditions, all, all, all sort of major stuff. And I remember this particular one. I'd been out, you know, somebody else was, was handling that, that meeting in the afternoon. I'd been out on the streets. I walked back off the streets, and as I walked into the meeting, I wasn't looking for this, but I suddenly felt clothed with power as I, as I walked into the tent. And I knew that the gift of faith had been suddenly dropped into my heart. Now, we all have faith that comes to us at salvation through the gospel. We all can develop faith through the promises of God, through scripture, and hearing the word preached. But there is another faith. Faith. And it is a faith mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, 9, that the Greek actually calls special faith. It's a portion of God's faith. It's not something that you live with all the time, but it's just given to you for moments when you are pushed beyond the level of your normal kind of faith. You have to act on what God has said anyway, but very often as you act beyond the level of your normal level of faith, God meets you there and gives you special faith for that instant. And I knew at that moment that special faith was imparted to my spirit. When that happens to you, you become charged. You, and, and all I can say to you is, you feel like, I mean, honestly, you couldn't doubt if you tried. 
I can only tell you, this is not something that you earn. You don't get it from being particularly holy or, you know, reading the whole Bible in the night or something. You know, it, it, it's not like, it, it, this, this is something that is totally grace-given. All right? So I didn't earn this. It just dropped on me. And uh, to meet the need at the moment. And I suddenly felt like I was pulsating with power. I was clothed with power. And, you could, and I, I couldn't doubt if I tried now, it's happened to me on a number of occasions in my life in ministry through the years. And I've learned through the years that when that happens, just go with it. As long as that is, is kind of vibrating on the inside of you, as long as that thing of the power of God is pulsating through you, you want to lay hands on anything that moves. I mean anything. I, uh, and I'm telling you, this is the honest truth. I would never lie to you. You know, God judge me if I'm lying to you. I'm not lying to you. I've been in meetings where this has happened to me 100%. I don't care what the condition is. I've had, I've had whole twisted limbs completely click straight out. You know, all, all, when you've seen things crisscrossed underneath the skin, the whole skin's flick, 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 everything's straight back instantly. Lumps just go, disappeared. I mean, it's like that. Seriously. And, and it's happened to me on, on a few occasions. Well, this was one of them. And as the power of God hit me like that, I saw four people in the front row in wheelchairs. So I thought, you guess who I was going for? Because I knew, I felt this with it. It's God's faith, it's not yours. I didn't even ask for it. I didn't earn it. It was given for that moment. So I walked up to the first one, knowing what was on me. And you speak very boldly when you feel that on you. So I walked up to the first one. I said, would you like to walk, sir? He said, well, yes, a bit like that. I said, get up. Jesus name, just pulled him straight up like that. And he went straight out water, landed straight on his feet. And he's like this. And I said, okay, just take your wheelchair and push it home. I said, next one. I said, Matt, do you want to walk? He said, yeah. I said, I said, right, get up. Jesus name, pulled her straight out. Same thing happened. Went to the third one. Do you want to walk? Yes. Get up. Like this. And, and honestly, I, forgive me, this doesn't sound pastoral, can I just say? <laughs> Number one, I'm not a pastor. I'm an evangelist. Okay. And so we get away with things that pastors would probably never do. But nonetheless, at the same time, can I say to you that even as an evangelist, this, you know, this kind of behaviour sounds very arrogant. It looks arrogant. I don't mind saying to you, it is not British and I don't care. It, it, it really, because it's God and God is not British. And he doesn't mind offending people. Alright? Honestly. He's not middle class, he's higher than the highest class you will ever imagine. He owns all your money anyway, so you might as well get used to it. <laughs> you have to give an account of the way you spend it. <laughs> I tell you the truth. So the fact of that, God is almighty, he's incredibly powerful, and he doesn't, he doesn't need to ask permission. And when he drops on people like that, he doesn't care what your sensibilities are, he'll do what he wants. Yeah. You either get out of the way, or yeah. move with it. Yeah. I tell you, that kind of talk, we don't like it, but that's what God is like, that he's moving in power. You either surrender, or you and flow with him, or you better get out of the way. So, you know, and, and honestly, this is what it's like. And it's amazing. And, and you feel it pulsate through. You can't turn that on. You just ask for it. And, God, and, and, and the wonderful thing is, I know the way I'm saying that's very confrontational, having just said that. But all I can say to you is, the most wonderful and glorious expressions of his love manifest at that moment. It's very strong. It's very powerful. But it's extremely compassionate in its outworking. 
And so I went to one, two, three, they all come out of the wheelchairs. I, I, I just wish there were more wheelchairs at that moment because that's what it felt like. I felt like if, if, if the whole tent was full of 2,000 wheelchairs, everybody would have got out. It felt like that. I come to the fourth one, there's this lady. I thought there's so much power flowing in this one. And she's just seen the, the, the last three jump out of their wheelchairs and be instantly healed. I come to number four. I said, would you like to walk out? And she said, no thanks, I'll lose my disability benefit. <laughs> I was stunned. <laughs> I, I was like, ah, you know, it sounds funny. But really, the truth is, two things happened. The first thing I realized, number one, I don't condemn her. This isn't an issue of faith for healing. She just could not face having to work for her living again. It was an issue of face-to-face normal life yeah. and having to work again yeah. for her living like anybody else. Yeah. So they have to come off benefits. For some people, they don't get healed because they don't have faith to live without receiving the benefits. Yeah. Hmm. That touches some issues, doesn't it? Yeah. Now some people have to make a choice between their benefits or their health. I'm just telling you, I'm involved in healing ministry most of the time. And there are people who have to choose between their benefits and their health. And she chose her benefits. The moment she did, what happened to me was this. The moment that happened, I felt, I physically, tangibly, felt the power of God disappear. Just like, shoom. You know, God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. There's a difference between the omnipresence of God and the manifest presence of God. When you get gifts of the Spirit, power manifests. That's the manifest presence of God. God's still there, but His power isn't manifest. There's a difference between power and power that is accessible, usable power. You know in James 5 it says this, that the fervent, effective prayer of a righteous man, the literal translation in Greek says, makes great power available. There's a difference about there being great power and that power being available for use. There's great power from the national grid coming into this building. But for that power to be any good, it's got to be made available for use. And we have various electrical mechanisms that help us to do that, to use it safely. It's the same in the kingdom of God. There is great power available through the Holy Spirit. But for it to be made available to you, you need to pray for it. Pray fervently. Receive it. Act on what God says. There are things that release his power. And so here in this situation, she closed it down. She said, no. Uh, she said, no thank you, I lose my disability benefit. I felt the power go, like that. I mean, literally, like I was clothing power, suddenly it's not there. I'm going, where's that gone? I'm just back to little old John. <laughs> So I looked at her and I said, like, I've got to be really honest with you. I said, the power that just healed each of those instantly has just gone this moment right now. So, however, it's not the only way to be healed. I said, you could be healed in a recovery. I said, you may feel something when I pray for you, you may not feel anything. But if we will agree together and I lay hands on you in the name of Jesus, I'm believing for what Jesus promised would come in Mark 16 that you will recover. I said, what do you think about that? She said to me, well, I think I could handle the recovery better. She said, because it would take me time to adjust in my mind to thinking, and I could face that. And I said, all right, well, that's fine. Let's do it that way then. I said, there's no condemnation either way, just different ways of getting healed. One's instant, the other's progressive, but 
you know, hey, I said, that's okay, whatever you're comfortable with. So I just prayed for her. Well, I felt nothing. It felt like laying hands on the brick, to be really honest about it. I just felt no power at all. But I believed, nonetheless, faith is not about feeling. So I laid hands on I believed that. And I laid hands on I walked away, I said, listen, just want to leave you with a bit of encouragement. Um, if I was a doctor, I would give you some pills, and I would say three times a day, take it with meals. And I said, so what I want to do, I said, listen, God's word is healing medicine. Proverbs 4, 20 to 22 says, my son, pay attention to my words. Incline thine ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and healing, and the literal Hebrew says medicine, to all their flesh. And so if you want medicine to work, you need to take it regularly, and you need to take it according to the prescription, according to the doctor's instructions. He said, okay, so these are your instructions. I said, these are the scriptures. I said, you know, I gave her just a couple, and then I said to her, I want you every day to say thank you, Jesus, for healing me, and to do a bit more than you could do the day before, okay? She said, all right. I said, God bless you. And we left it like that. Two years later, I'm ministering in New Life Christian Centre in Croydon. It's the last church. And at the end of a very busy weekend, a woman comes up to talk to me, comes right up to the platform, and she says, John, do you remember me? I said, forgive me, you look familiar, but I can't quite place you. She says to me, I was the woman in the wheelchair in Ching Park, she said, two years ago, who didn't walk when the other three did. I said, ah, I remember you. I said, but look at you now. I said, you're standing, you're walking, I've seen you dancing around it. I said, clearly something's happened, tell me the story. She said, well, I went away and I did what you told me to do. She said, every day I said, thank you, Jesus, for healing me. And I tried to move my body a bit more. She said, some days it was just like a finger. Other times I could move my leg a bit. She said, you know, but that was it. And, and, I, and I just thanked God for it. You know, she said, but. She said, about 30 weeks later, she said, I'm sitting there in my downstairs apartment. She said, I'm watching Coronation Street. <laughs> I say to people, I really don't believe that there was any connection. Um, <laughs> but she's sitting there watching Coronation Street, and suddenly the thought came back to her at that moment to say thank you. So she looked up and she said, thank you, Lord, for healing me. She said the moment she did, she tangibly felt the power of God fall on her like she had felt it fall on the others in the tent. And, she, and the power of God physically picked her up out of her wheelchair. She landed on her feet. She said, I have never been in it since. Totally healed by the power of God. Amazing. But listen, one thing was manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. Another one, the other way, was the receiving of the Word of God. So what am I saying to you? I'm saying to you there is real power in the word of God. As I bring this to a close, Jesus said this in Mark chapter 4, and you can just look at it in your own time. I mean, really, there's so many scriptures we could look at. But Mark 4 and Psalm 107.20, they, they, they really kind of flow into it. Psalm 107.20 is a beautiful one about this because it says that uh, we often just quote the scripture, but out of its context, the scripture says that he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. And there's real power in that, but what were the destructions that he delivered them from? It says this, fools, because of their transgressions, drew near to the gates of death. Their soul abhorred all manner of food. But then as they drew near to the gates of death, they cried out to the Lord, and he had mercy on them. And he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. The destructions that the Lord delivered them from were the results of their own bad behavior. Now, this is why it's a particular expression of the mercy and grace of God in that particular verse. 
saying that the way that God expressed his mercy, he sent his word to heal the people and deliver the people who had brought on themselves certain conditions in their own lives. And he rescued them right from the gates of death when they cried out to him. But he sent them his word to heal them and set them free. Mark 4 simply says this, it is the parable of the sower. And we know Jesus talks about all different kinds of ground. He says the sower sows the word. With that word comes the power for your miracle. From that word comes, comes the power, the faith for the breakthrough that you need this year, for the harvest you're going to have this year. With that word, whenever God wants to do something new, he starts with a word. He releases the word. He's looking for people who will receive that word. And he said that different people get different benefits from the word. It's the same word. Yes. You know, we know all the way through the New Testament, he teaches us this way. He says that the man, you know, you can have one man who builds his house on sand, his, his life on sand, another who builds it on the rock. We all learned it in Sunday school. But the difference, they both hear the same word. There's nothing wrong with the word. It's not that one guy was a more anointed preacher than another. And that's why it happened. No, it's nothing to do with that. It's everything to do with the way they received the word. The person who received the word and put it into action built their house on the rock and when the storm came, it could not, not, no matter how hard it tried, it could not take that house down because they applied the word to their life. The other person heard it, they went out and, you know, the number of people I come to, I said, hey guys, was it a good service today on Sunday? You enjoyed the word? You enjoyed the ministry? It was awesome. It was glorious. Wow, it was just such a meeting. Fantastic. Okay, well, you know, what was the word about should have been there. <laughs> <Just, laughs> That's great. And, and what did you hear from God in it? Like, you know, I tell you, that church is one of the best churches I've ever been in my life. You know, you just, the preaching is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. What did God say to you? What word did you receive? What, what? That person's not getting anything. They're not serious about the word. So what are they like? They're like the guy who's by the side of the road. But the seed gets scattered, nothing wrong with the word. But he's not in the centre of the, of the way. And so when the seed goes to the side, Satan comes immediately, Jesus said, and steals the word. Because the guy didn't apply himself, in Luke's version of it, the guy did not apply himself to understand the word that was given to him. He doesn't value what he's being given. Have you seen pictures and videos about some of the Chinese believers in rural parts of China who have not been able to get their hand on a Bible and how a missionary turns up? And it opens the box and there's a free Bible for everyone in the church. And how they look at it and they kiss it and they weep and they worship and they shout and they clap and they pray. Because they value what they're being given. Well, you can be like that person that Satan steals the word from you immediately. You can be like the person who the scripture says the seed is sown and it grows up quickly. That's like the person who, yes, what a word. glory to God. But they go out. Totally forget about it. Straight out into the week, do nothing about it. The word doesn't change your life. Because the scripture says that when persecution comes, because of the word, it comes because of the word. How many of you have ever received a word from God, a prophetic word from God, or even as a preacher declared a word from God over your congregation, over your leadership, over your church, or over your own life, and it was glorious, it was anointed as the word went forth, but the next few weeks to a month were hell. <laughs> Everything seemed to fly up in your face. Anybody ever been there? Yeah. You know what that is? Satan is coming to try and get the word out of you. He, does, he is terrified of that word. He doesn't want it to come to pass. And that's that situation. 
And you have to be careful at the moment to make sure that you allow the word to get deeply rooted in you. Amen. Because if you don't allow it to, what happens is that it shrivels under demonic pressure. So you've got to keep hold of the word. Keep saying it to yourself. Keep valuing it. Keep speaking it. Let it be fully conceived in you. Number three, there are the people who receive the word of God, but the deceitfulness of riches, the scripture says. Not riches, but the deceitfulness of riches. Like the love of money. People running after money, money, money all the time. The deceitfulness of riches. The cares of this world. And the desires after other things. Although the old King James says the lust after other things. They choke the word so that it doesn't bear fruit. Well, you may or may not have a problem with desires after other things. You may or may not have a problem with deceitfulness of riches. But most Christians I know have got a problem with the cares of this world. Worry is a sin. You know that. It's a slight on your Heavenly Father's love and care. Put the worry aside. Let out. Be a person who lives by faith. Believe in the faithfulness of God. Trust in it. Believe his promise. Amen? Amen. God has a word to cover every situation. And he has a word for yours. And that word is your word of freedom. That seed is the word of freedom for you. That seed contains in it the power to bring deliverance and freedom and wholeness and everything that you need. It does. It's in the word. This year is a year of harvest for you. Jesus winds up by saying this. But then there's the soil that goes into the good ground. The ground that receives the word, accepts it, and bears fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. Isn't it interesting? You're the one who determines the fruitfulness of it. By receiving it, accepting it, and then stepping out in it for it to bear fruit in your life. It's amazing how far that word will go in your life. That word, one word from God, it will go into your life and it will keep producing and keep producing and keep producing and keep producing. As long as you keep saying it, you keep thanking God for it, you keep declaring it, you keep praising it, and you keep acting in faith in what God has said. I tell you something, you live in the light of it. Every minister that I know, God called them, and when he called them into ministry, he called them with a word. He spoke to them, he gave them promise. He gave prophetic word over their life. They spend the rest of their life keeping aligned to that word. And as long as they keep aligned to what God said, they keep bearing fruit. There'll be plenty of challenges along the way to back off. Finances are tight. Challenges come. People accuse. All kinds of false stuff said. Pressure's on. And there'll be plenty of opportunity to drop the ball. There'll be plenty of opportunity to let go of that word. And if you do, you take a, a detour. But thank God the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. They're without repentance. They remain there. You've just got to realign. And the moment you realign again, choom, that word starts producing fruit again. For some of you, that's a word. Yes. It's time to get out of the place where you've been detoured. And time to get back online. Amen. Amen. And God's going to bring the fruit. And it's going to be good. This is a year of harvest for you. This is a year of breakthrough. This is your time. Let it be so. Embrace it. Receive it. Express the word of God. Receive the word of God. Act in faith in it. Align yourself with what God says. And he's going to bring to pass his promises in your life. Let's just take a moment here to pray.
just before we break, for coffee, for tea, for whatever else. This is your moment. We don't want to miss this. Okay. We're going to pray a prayer together right now. I want to give you the opportunity. If you're here for a first time and you don't yet know Jesus, Christ is your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've been coming for a while. Maybe you've heard the truth of the gospel on a number of occasions leading up to this point. Or maybe you're here just for a very first time. But you haven't really settled the issue. You haven't received Christ as your Savior and your Lord. And he's reaching out to you right now. This is your moment. Today is the time. He's reaching out to you. Maybe some of you gave your life to Christ years ago, but you're here today and you're here to recommit your life. You need to come back to the Father. He's waiting for you. His arms are reaching out to you, but you've got to do the running now. You've got to come to him. He'll take one step towards him. He'll run 10 to you. He's coming. He's reaching out to you, but you've got to say yes. Let's just pray a prayer out loud together. Follow me through it line by line. Say it out loud. The Bible promises if you believe in your heart, that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. This involves a turning of your life over to God, a turning of the heart to him and putting your faith in Christ. Let's pray this out loud. And those who are already walking with Jesus, may I encourage you to pray it to support those who need to. For a first time, I recommend. Let's say it together. Let's say this to the Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you that you love me, that you paid the price in full for all my sins, Thank you, Lord. I believe in you. I believe you're risen from the dead. You're my Savior. I acknowledge Jesus as Lord. I give you my life. Come into my heart. Take control. Turn from sin. And give you my life. I thank you at this moment for your Holy Spirit coming to live in me making me brand new. I forgive those who've sinned against me and against my loved ones. I release them from my judgment. I forgive them as you forgive me. And I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life. Thank you. You've taken hold of me. I am yours. Jesus name. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Now I'm just going to ask you, this is really fundamental. Jesus said, if you confess me before people, I'll confess you before the Father. He said, if you don't confess me before people, neither will I confess you before the Father. This is really putting it on the nail. So look, what we're going to do at this moment is I'm going to ask you very simply that if you prayed that prayer for a first time or to recommit your life to Christ, that you just raise your hand up and do it right now. Just do it now. Just put your hand right up. If you pray that prayer the first time or to recommit your life to Jesus, just raise your hand now. We'll just be delighted to pray for you. All right, God bless you. Lord. Anybody else, just put it right up where we can see you. I know that there are others here who prayed that for a first time or as a recommitment. Bless you, Lord. Anybody else? Come on, come through to the Lord now. He's just calling for you. Right now. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Bless you, bless you, Lord. We magnify you, Jesus. Right. I'm going to ask, could you just pray for this first lady here? I'm going to ask if you could just pray for this first lady here next to you. That'd be lovely. All right. There are those of us right now who need to come before the Lord 
And in a few moments, we'll just break for coffee, teas, or whatever. But let's just take a few moments to let the Holy Spirit minister amongst us. There are those of you right now who need to say, yeah, John, I'm, I need to receive healing at this moment. There's someone here who needs, you know that you've got a, um, there's an issue with cancer in your body. God wants to heal you. I just want to pray for you today for God to release you. There is someone else who isn't related to cancer, but you do have a blood disorder. And I want to pray for that to be healed today. But someone has a condition in the brain. Years ago, you actually you had a, something knocked your head. And since that moment, you had a problem with your brain. And God just wants to bring healing to your brain today. Someone else with, a, with a, uh, an eye, you have an eye condition. Okay, I just simply hear the word glycoma. So I just want to pray for that person with glycoma. An older gentleman was working in the garden a few weeks back and you slipped over on a slippery slab and you damaged your left hip. And God just wants to heal it. So I'd like you to respond. I see someone who has a, you have a, a serious problem with alcohol. And actually do your best to cover this thing up. I see particularly white cider. God wants to release you from this. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. I hear the word amphetamines. So there's a problem with amphetamines. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Mm. There's a gentleman quite recently, um, you've had a bit of blood in your urine. You have a prostate condition. God wants to heal. Jesus, we love you. Thank you. Gentlemen, it's, I believe it's your right shoulder. And uh, it, it's just like everything grinds in that right shoulder. And you get quite a bit of pain out of that. You just respond to the Lord today. It's healing for you. Guys, has, has the Lord given you anything else? Just yeah, somebody... Uh, people with repeated migraines. God wants to heal you today of those. And also somebody else with right knee, uh, arthritic right knee. God wants to heal you of that. Yeah. See, mine's an emotional. There's people in here that their heart now is racing. And it's because we're calling out for what the Lord can do for you physically. But I believe the Lord's here and his love to heal your heart emotionally. And you know which ones you are. You may suffer with self-harm. You may suffer with depression. But your heart's now racing. The Holy Spirit's telling me your heart's pounding like never before. But if you come forward today, it can be your breakthrough. Yeah. I just see, a, a, as Martin said that, I see a gentleman who, between the ages of four to five years old, literally somewhere in the middle, about four and a half, your parents divorced. And ever since then, you have sought, you have sought a loving relationship but you, there's always been a demand within the, every relationship you've had. There's been a demand for the love. You inadvertently, weren't even realizing what was going on. But on the inside of you, you were requiring the love that you lost from your parents 
You were wanting to receive that from your partner and it was a burden that they just couldn't handle. And so it went round and round and you've gone through a cycle of three or four serious relationships that have ended up broken because of that demand on the inside of you. And actually God wants to bring complete release to you today and heal your heart and bring an end to that cycle on the inside of you so, so that you can have healthy relationships. Okay, what I'm going to do right now is, is simply this. I'm going to ask for a moment, for the sake of our time here, I'm going to ask that for everyone who needs healing uh, or, or release, I'm going to ask you to stand up. Okay, and we're just going to pray over you this way. All right, corporately. Then I'm going to close the meeting, as it were. Go hand back to aid, close the meeting. And then I'm going to ask for everyone who's responding to the particular words of knowledge to come forward while everybody else is having coffee and tea. Is that fair enough? That's good.